You're listening to Data Plus Love. This week, it's just me, Zach Bowders, your host. We're trying a different format this week, which is something I've wanted to do from the very beginning when I first conceived of the idea of doing a podcast. Data Plus Love itself stemmed from the idea of me wanting to extend my experience with having amazing conversations with other professionals at the Tableau conference throughout the entire year. So I came up with a podcast so that I could basically trick friends and people that I don't know into doing that with me all the time. And it's worked out pretty well so far. I really enjoy doing it and feedback from uh, friends and the audience has been really positive. Having said that, I also want to experiment with different types of content. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking about what I feel is the difference between an analyst and a data professional, which you may be asking the question, those are kind of the same thing, aren't they? I think data professionals oftentimes can overlap heavily with traditional IT roles. And I say that as someone that came up through the IT system. So my first job out of grad school after being unemployed for six months was working at a bank for a year. But then once I actually started to get into my field that I was interested in, I became a developer working in software development. Mind you, the experience I was having might not have been typical in the sense that I didn't have a business analyst or a QA as backup, and I had to basically control the full scale of a project from the conception to the analysis to the documentation, the programming, and then ultimately testing your own project, which if you've ever tested your own project, you know that that is like being the investigator of a murder that you committed. You're going to make a lot of misses because you're entering the QA with the same assumptions you had when you wrote it in the first place. So going back to that idea and thinking about what's different between an analyst and a data professional, I'm saying data professional as a cover term to cover IT folks, is that I think oftentimes when you're thinking in the minds of an IT professional, you get requirements, oftentimes written up by a business partner or another IT person. You take those requirements, you execute them, and then you deliver your output. So your output is a finished product based on pre-written requirements, which I think if you're a data professional and you're wanting to be an analyst, there's a gap there. And I think the gap is curiosity. So as an analyst, sometimes you get those beautiful fully formed requests where someone has really gone through a lot of effort to get their idea out there and oftentimes may have even selected chart types for you to use. They might say, I'd like to see some bar charts for this and a pie chart for that. And you can even lay it out like this. So sometimes people are really invested in the process and may have already formed what they think it needs to be. The difference between the analyst and the data professional or the IT professional is that the analyst pumps the brakes at that point and says, okay, don't tell me what to make. Tell me what you need to understand. I think that's the real difference because as a subject matter expert, as the data professional, you need to be able to synthesize and learn from what they're actually trying to accomplish versus what they say they're trying to accomplish. So when you get those fully formed requirements, someone has already basically poured their own biases and what they believe the solution to be into it and provided it to you. You could execute perfectly on what they've just asked you for and deliver something that's wholly unlike what they actually intend or what they need. As a analyst, your job is to interdict that moment and say, okay, hold on, let's slow down a minute. So you say you would like X, Y, and Z. Why? What are you trying to learn from this? Or alternatively, what action are you trying to take based off of what we put together here? That's what makes an analyst different from an IT professional. I'm not saying IT professionals don't do this, and clearly IT professionals have their own areas of expertise 
that they pour into the process and can direct back at the customer facing side. Because regardless of whether you're working with people internally or externally, there is a customer for your product when you're creating an analytics product. But the real difference is that interjection along the line and learning to ask the right questions and to push back gently. I'm not saying to push back as in say, no, I won't do this, but to push back as in saying, what do we really want to know here? Because what you've asked for may not get you what you imagine. So that's my thought for the week. And I wrote my first journal article this past week for Nightingale, the Journal of the Data Visualization Society. And I've conceived this as a second potential article that I'd like to write up, but it's not a fully formed thought. And I thought I would get it out here and possibly get some feedback from you, the community that's listening, uh, which I would love to hear because honestly, this podcast can kind of be one-sided. And by that, I mean, it's me and a guest and we're having a conversation. We're talking. And oftentimes I hear from people afterwards as sort of, Hey, I enjoyed the episode. That was an interesting point that was brought up, but very rarely do I actually speak directly to the audience through the podcast. So I'm looking forward to hearing back about this episode and just the general direction that you feel the podcast as a whole has taken, because I like to be able to incorporate different types of episodes in the mix. And while this first episode now is fairly experimental, I would like to expand beyond that, possibly even have different show types, maybe even additional hosts, maybe some panels. What would you like to hear? I'm not saying this because I'm bored. I'm saying this because um, I can't stop. I'm ambitious and I want to do more. So if you're enjoying what Data Plus Love has been so far and you would like to help me expand the vision of that, I'd love to hear what you're thinking. If you'd like to get involved, I'd like to hear that too, because I'm definitely open for other people joining in on the party. So switching over to some news, this has been a very exciting week this past week for the Tableau community. I'm talking to you now right after Labor Day. This episode is going to drop on September 9th, uh, which is a Wednesday because we drop every other Wednesday. And uh, we've just completed the Iron Viz feeder. And we've also had the announcements of the new Tableau Ambassadors. So this Ambassador class is the biggest Ambassador class that Tableau's ever had and has actually introduced some new Ambassador types as well, in addition to having the largest volume of Ambassadors. It's a very exciting time of year, and lots of people are very celebratory to see themselves and their friends sort of achieving this really wonderful honorarium that's been, you know, sort of uh, put upon them both by their friends nominating them as well as Tableau recognizing their efforts. I want to take this moment to say, um, last year, I really wanted this. I really wanted to be a Tableau ambassador and I didn't get it. And, uh, I felt sad in the moment, not like massively disappointed because part of me didn't really feel like I deserved it. I have a massive imposter complex. So whenever stuff that is sort of a prize comes along, I never really feel like I deserve it. So the fact that I didn't get it wasn't a shock. But I really wanted it. And uh, this past year, I sort of changed my thinking a lot, not in the way that I wanted to earn being a Tableau ambassador, but I wanted to do what I really loved and felt passionate about. And if that resounded with people and people were sort of into it, that was great. But if they weren't, that was also going to be okay. I sort of thought of it as building my own pirate ship in the sense that I was going to establish my own little community and sort of do the projects I felt were of value to me. And the people that got it would really get it. And the people that didn't wouldn't. Um, like Mike Cisneros said the other year in his Tableau conference presentation, it's actually a line from a musical, which I can't remember which musical Mike. So I apologize, but there's a line of dialogue in the song that says it's better to be nine people's favorite thing than 500 people's ninth favorite thing. So in shifting the projects I chose to work on 
the way I chose to approach them instead of doing sort of big dashboards with lots of moving parts, focusing on simplicity, trying to do really elegant one chart visas that said something that I felt was interesting. Um, I got a lot of positive feedback and I'm really touched by that. A lot of people have said really kind, amazing things. And I, I'm humbled and that's totally undeserved. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, and thank you as a community for being such an awesome community to be a part of, because I see these people that are, uh, now becoming ambassadors of which I am one this year. And thank you for that. But also I see so many other people that haven't achieved honorariums and are just out there like helping other people and conducting their own exercises and creating their own visualizations. And I'm blown away by all of it. And I'm saying this to all of you out there. If you were hoping um, this year that you might become an ambassador or maybe a Zen coming up or that you were hoping to make a top 10 Iron Viz entry and it didn't work out, um, don't be discouraged. And I mean that wholeheartedly because there is there are so many people out there that look up to you. Um, everyone is someone's favorite data viz designer. And the fact that you're out there doing your own thing is just such an inspiration to others. You may not even realize it, but uh, it's by everyone doing this together that it really lifts all tides. So please keep it up and please don't be discouraged if you didn't get something that you were hoping for this year. Um, I'll tell you this, having now achieved ambassador, I was humbled and honored to achieve it. But if that's what I was hoping to fulfill me, you don't feel different afterwards. You're still the same person. So it's finding that sort of fulfillment and what you're already doing and being just pleased with the work and the process, which is really going to make that big difference for you. And I don't say that to diminish titles at all. I mean, I have so many friends that are Zens and ambassadors and other honorariums that are just, I, in my book are total aces. Like they're amazing people. Um, and have done amazing work, but that's not to say that there aren't others that also haven't had the same experiences. So don't let, um, earning a piece of recognition or not earning it be something that's going to put you off. Just find your joy in doing what you do best and what you love. And I think you're going to find that just such a rewarding experience. And that's my moment of preaching for you, but, uh, going beyond that and moving past the ambassador section of my ramblings and rantings today, I want to congratulate the three Iron Viz finalists, which are Christian Felix, Alex Jones, and Simon Beaumont, two of which are from JLL, which is just staggering. Um, between them and Hesham last year, who had also come from a JLL placement out of the data school, like they're doing something right over there. Um, but I'm really excited to see just the, not only the quantity of Iron Viz entries this year, but the quality of them. People were so just so clearly invested in their projects and it shows. And there's so many shining examples and I expect to see so many visits of the day for the next several months sort of coming out of that class of Iron Viz entries. And I say that to say that this was my first year to ever enter an Iron Viz entry, um, feeder rather. And it's exciting and it's nerve wracking and it's humbling. And it's the process is uh, kind of overwhelming because when you see the other content that other people are putting out and just sort of seeing the, um, not only the passion, but the level of analysis and visualization that people brought to the table, 
it's amazing what the community truly is capable of when people just sort of buckle down and find that thing and just go after it rapidly. And to that end, um, Sarah Bartlett and what she's doing with Iron Quest as an opportunity to sort of get those reps leading up to a competition like Iron Viz is just such a visionary move that she did this, as well as an amazing opportunity for people to step outside their comfort zone, but still be in a low pressure environment where if you wanted to try to create an Iron Viz type visualization, which we say that's not a thing, but it really is. Um, this is a perfect example of how to do that. And I sort of thank her as a community leader for doing that. And to that end, I also want to say I'm excited to be co-hosting the next round with her. So this round, which is focused on myths and like folklore and mythology and magic and all that awesome stuff. I did an Indiana Jones map fizz, which was kind of fun. Um, we are doing, I'm calling it the appening. So we are doing mobile first design which I think is an area of deficit in our community. Because let me tell you this, whenever I'm designing a new data viz, the first thing I do is turn off mobile format because I don't want to deal with that. So this is an area of discomfort for me as well as I'm sure it is for many of you. But it's going to be an awesome experience because we're going to have an opportunity here to learn an entirely new visual language that, frankly, I think we're suffering from by not working in more. So we saw some amazing Iron Viz entries that embrace this format. Lindsay Betzendahl's was a standout for me. I thought that was very bold of her to go in that direction. So I'm excited to see what we can do when instead of thinking and mobile or even not mobile at all, we go mobile first, maybe mobile exclusively. I'm really excited for it. I'm going, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I don't know if I've ever told you this. I don't have any visits planned in advance. So uh, this morning or earlier today, I released my viz on Tenet. It's the it's the cube, uh, which is sort of the acrostic that Tenet is derived from in sort of like the ancient cultures of Earth. It's kind of fascinating. I still don't get it. But um, I I had no idea what I, that I was going to make that viz before I made it. And I have no idea what my next viz is going to be, much less how I'm going to make it mobile first. So I'm on board for this adventure. It's going to be a delightful mess, and we're all going to have a lot of fun and learn a lot. So I look forward to seeing as many of you as possible entering in on our next Iron Quest, which is going to be mobile first, which I think is kicking off anytime now. Having said that, um, we are coming up rapidly on the Tableau conference this year, which is the Tableau conference-ish conference, where it's going to be all virtual. But the best part of this is... We're not going to have the same experiences uh, that we did in previous years. We're not going to be able to enjoy as many of the in-person events, obviously, and that's going to be different, but it doesn't mean it has to be bad. It's going to be a great chance for you to take those coworkers or friends that you know that may never have had a chance to experience some of the Tableau conference before and at least get them a taste of the experience. So get as many people as you can to enroll. It's going to be really cool, and I think it's going to surprise us some. I'm saying that uh, purely based on speculation. No one has leaked anything to me. Don't ask me anything. They really have. No, really, they haven't. Um, with that, I'm going to wrap up this mini-sode, uh, which may feel kind of self-indulgent, but really, I feel like not getting to talk to you, the audience, directly sometimes is a deficit that I have that I should have done this sooner. And if you think I'm wrong, please let me know, because frankly, it's really hard to talk by and about yourself for an extended period of time. I don't really enjoy talking about myself in general. So writing a Nightingale piece about my personal process and how I took pop culture 
and visualization and use that as a learning apparatus for myself was an exercise in uh, awkwardness, having to talk about myself the whole time. But uh, yeah, so again, this isn't my native format. It's much easier to talk with someone else bouncing off of you. And if you could look at my show notes right now, you would see that I have none and I've gone on about 15 to 16 minutes. So I like to talk. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. On our next episode, we'll be back to having guests. And let me know what you think about the idea of different formats. I'd love some feedback. And with that, I love you all. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Data Plus Love is recorded and produced by Zach Bowders. Our music track is We Are Legends by Alex Stoner. Hey, you're still here. Um, You're probably waiting for like the next podcast uh, to kick in, probably something better. Um, Thanks for hanging on. Anyway, if you're picking up what we're putting down, uh, consider buying us a cup of coffee on ko-fi.com slash D-A-T-A-P-L-U-S-L-O-V-E. Um, just, you know, drop $3 in our tip bucket. It helps us buy better equipment. It helps us uh, pay for razor blades to keep me from looking like a wolf man. And it keeps uh, Mark's head looking so shiny and beautiful. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll never put anything behind a paywall. And thanks to your patronage. Have a great day.